Hi, my name is Bridget O'Neill, and I am a political science major and German minor from just outside Boulder, Colorado. I'm so excited to be in Berlin this block and learn as much as I can from all of the places we are visiting, but Susie was a, a place of particular interest to me. As a political science major, I have taken some courses critically thinking about migration on global scales. More specifically, two summers ago I was able to conduct a small interview-based research project with professionals studying the composition of the refugee population within and around Vienna, Austria. This was certainly a small subset of people, but even with the exploration I was within that exploration, I was surprised to learn that the paper was being withheld from publication because it directly contradicted the dominant political rhetoric of the time, um, especially because this was during Austrian election season. Um, the primary concern was that these people were coming in to take jobs away from locals and that they were unqualified for the jobs. And the research found that the subset of people who had made it to Austria were in fact highly qualified. The hostile environment was clear even within a more statistical approach that is now two years outdated and in a different city. With this anecdote in mind, I am looking forward to learning more about migration from a more immediate and personal scale as Susie focuses on serving women immigrants. Um, the space is created for vulnerable populations and stands with them at this unique moment in German history with the rise of the far-right AfD sparked by Angela Merkel's opening of German borders back in 2015. Susie occupies a precarious and vital space navigating the limbo between refugee and the often unwelcoming German statehood. Their services include legal counsel in a variety of different languages. Another point of interest to me as I have studied how American law is written in biased ways, but I'm eager to understand more about the ways in which identity is encoded into German law. Furthermore, in a world in which political labels of citizenry, or lack thereof, hold such immediate consequences, I am excited to learn how Susie advocates for intersectionality within rigid legality. I hope the session and the podcast will expand upon and challenge these initial thoughts and others. Before we engage with the speakers I am featuring today, I want to take this opportunity to introduce them and their work. We were able to meet with Jamili da Silva e Silva and Melody Laven Betancourt. Jamili serves as Susie's program coordinator and has been in Berlin for the past six years. Melody works as an event planning assistant. The organization itself is called SUSI, Interkulturelles Frauenzentrum. This translates to the Inter Intercultural Center for Women. The acronym stands for Solidarity, Unabhängigkeit, the German word for independence, social and international. The center is an NGO um, that provides social and psychological counseling to immigrant women living in Berlin, as well as legal counsel. All of these services are available in a variety of languages as opposed to German government services, the vast majority of which are offered exclusively in German. The two women discuss their workplace as one in which their own identities as black women were fully embraced and innately served as a way to connect with their clientele. The organization is constantly evolving and juggles the aims of helping women navigate German law and potential discrimination by frankly discussing a system and offering insight into any loopholes. In Germany, the U.S., and most nations around the world, the law is written in such a way that often privileges the already privileged in its content and in its accessibility. Migrant women therefore come in with the deck stacked against them. 
Susie offers legal counsel on how to find all possible loopholes so that they are not disadvantaged from the start, at least to the extent that this is possible. Within this particular moment in history, applying for asylum is a complex and overwhelming process. Among other things, Susie can help with this process. However, as an entity outside of the German government, much of it occurs outside their jur jurisdiction. This is why the space is so valuable as well. It can be an oasis in which no woman's narrative is questioned or challenged, but rather a space where employees and vi visitors alike are respected and stand in solidarity with one another. Susie fits neatly within the exploration of hidden spaces and hidden narratives in Berlin. The physical space is calming and empowering. The walls are lined with paintings of women, and it is described as one that evolves with the external conditions, for instance, the need for a Turkish employee with such a large Turkish influx is brought up, as well as evolving with internal conditions. For example, the fact that the office is run by black women has attracted more black women to the organization. It is a forum where intersectional identities are valued and empowered, and one that gives great hope for this to transcend Susie's walls. I am also including a short segment of Jamili's description of her work as this, at the center within this section as well, as she more aptly summarizes the center's mission in her own words. I don't know. Something that is very important in my work particular is, is that as a black woman here who also like experienced racism, experienced like sexism, intersection with racism and, and other forms of discrimination as being a migrant as well. Like I, I focus my work like making out, creating awareness about these things, you know, like I'm very feminist and but I'm very intersectional and I we do a lot of things related to anti-racism mm -hmm. as being creating awareness about it, thematizing it, but also the other way, on the other hand, creating spaces where women, people that that experience racism can come and relieve and get empowered or talk about it in a safer environment. So yeah. that's a now that we have established what exactly Susie is and who we are speaking with, I want to include a few clips from the session itself. To begin, I chose a clip in which Melody speaks about a project Susie undertook. They published a book titled We Are Heroes, or more specifically, Heroines in which girls of a variety of ages were given a platform to tell and present their story. I chose this segment because it so aptly demonstrates Susie's function as a space for agency in storytelling. They wrote their own stories, and it's diff uh, also All different. Some is with painting, <laughs> uh, drawings, some is with photo, some are like novels. Oh, no. Dana was so excited when she came to the event here in the summer, because I didn't come. And she came back to the flight and she would not stop talking about this book. She was so excited about this. They're amazing. They're amazing. They have this one support system, but they, 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 they themselves, they have such a motor. They want to say something. They yeah. want to talk about how injustice does that, that the the school, this happens, and, and why is it that they suffer from racism? What, like they thematize and they were able to write about it. Mm -hmm. and I think it's awesome, and I, and I think it, it was like pretty full. Yes, was it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
each and every one of them stand and, and present themselves and said, and, you know, like it was oh, so, so beautiful to see. Not. And some are not. Also yeah, they're okay. Old, yeah. 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 So someone said, please, can you read for me the story? And right. what I find very beautiful because they, they, they make decisions by their own. And also the presenting of the book, they make it completely by their own. We, yeah, we are just a, there, and like Susie, I feel like mm -hmm. it's related to the to the Susie comment. I give you the room. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is a, mm -hmm. what I can do for you. I give you the room, but mm -hmm. you are the creation. You, yeah. you are the creator. Yeah, exactly. That's what I wanted to say about my how amazed I was that you also when they didn't say like totally like what someone some were like more outgoing or outgoing, mm -hmm. and some were. Not so outspoken, but they still all of them presented themselves and all of them stand there in the front were seen, like were there to be seen, were visible for all of us, which is like so beautiful as a mother of a girl. Also as yeah, well. exactly. As inspirational also for for, for my daughter. And yes. I was like hope, hope mm -hmm. for the future. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really special to yeah. have that for them. Yeah, mm -hmm. very good. Great. Next, I want to examine the interplay of divorce and citizenship, a particularly interesting concept in Germany, as it is certainly one that threatens women disproportionately when we consider gendered power dynamics and relationships. Because if you, for example, if, it's not, if you're married to a German person, you have to be at least three years married to this person until you have the right to apply for a visa independent, independently from this man. But if you come here, it's after one year you start a separate provide from this man and you want to divorce them and stay here, you're not allowed. If you want to separate from them, you have to go. <laughs> but many people, like, there's the stuff they have already, like, created, like, not, I don't know, even roots, but, like, want to be here. Yeah, they're not allowed. So that's why they come here to know, like, also to get from our... Um, counselors, how do they do to to get to stay here and get rid of this man? And, <laughs> you know, like something that they, some, such information that they couldn't get from another place. Like if you go to like to the like to governmental agency, agency, mm -hmm. they, they're not gonna say you stay with this man. Like I don't know, like you do this and this. They right. they would not gonna like, give you any tricky information, like, you know, like any mm -hmm. so information that yeah, I'm not. Transitioning now to the last segment included here, I selected a discussion on gaining employment in Germany and the challenges migrant women are faced with. This is also an interesting jumping off point to think about where we source legitimacy within and with and outside of political boundaries. I also selected this clip as a segue into maternity leave, as this certainly prompted discussion both within the session and afterwards, especially in light of the American paternal leave policies that are so absurdly limiting. Maybe there are lawyers, there are doctors, there are engineers, there are qualified people who come here, but depending on their home countries, they don't have it recognized. So if you go and talk to taxi drivers, they have all sort of like huge professions, you know, like, but because they are not able to develop their professions here, they have to switch it to something else, mm -hmm. which is less um, recognized in society. <coughs> yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is also discrimination. 
Essentially, because mm -hmm. Germany thinks that the degrees that that you get here is better than the degree that you get uh, mm -hmm. somewhere so, uh, else. Yeah. And this, yeah. That's that's yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a it, it, it's a, most of the people who are outside of the EU, for the United States, don't have their um, academic degree mm -hmm. really right enough. They have to study here again, or make a, a course on an outfield or an education or whatever it is. Yeah, depending on the case specifically. Um, yeah. And so then the second thing is a lot of job you get with attending uh, <laughs> with, with, with if if you already know someone. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so even yeah. they would let. Visiting Susie made me think about the degree of permanence that impermanence has, how Berlin has always been a city of migrants no matter the chapter of history or the rhetoric of alarm that overlays the situation, as is the case today with the refugee crisis. I have thought about migration thus far um, largely within these categories, limited to the external political context within which they occur. Susie is a space that rejects this oversimplification of the experience of migration, it is both much more large-scale, an omnipresent phenomenon, there is nothing new about Berlin being a city with an influx of people from diverse backgrounds, and simultaneously much more small-scale, manifesting itself in individual experiences in their most minute aspects. Susie provides a platform of agency for these women. After the presentation, I found myself thinking back to some of the works I read last year for a class on the history of human rights. Much of the discourse was about how stateless and vulnerable peoples have imposed narratives written upon their own bodies while they are stripped of innate personhood and reduced to symbols, hoping to evoke pity or thought of others through a story told by someone else. This phenomenon, the robbery of agency outside, um, that is felt so starkly outside political borders and belonging, is succinctly put by Hannah Arendt in what is perhaps her most famous quote. The world found nothing sacred in the ab abstract nakedness of being human. What is more jarring than this is Susie's emphasis on working in the real world. The abstract nakedness is not uniform. When the human bodies at stake are female's bodies, are black or brown bodies, the list goes on. The world certainly does not find anything sacred to protect. 
Susie holds such unbelievable value because there is, it is a unique place wherein these vulnerable people are sacred and their stories are firmly their own. Before Susie helps to clothe these women in a, women's identities with the protections of German statehood, they recognize the value and agency within each innate person. This is an experience and recognition that migration sorely lacks. To pull language from the course title, Susie provides a space that gives back a narrative to women who have been robbed of both. I was incredibly inspired by this mission and am excited to discuss more of the details of the presentation to share thoughts with my classmates. Okay, so this is the discussion segment of the podcast, and I am here with Annabelle and Judy, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Okay, um, I'm Judy Fisher. I'm a sophomore at CC, and I'm a feminist and gender studies major from Oklahoma. I'm Annabelle Simotis. I'm a sophomore at CC as well, and I'm a history poli-sci classics major from New York City. Okay, great. Thank you both for being here. Um, Thanks for having us. You're welcome. <laughs> so I thought to start off, we could circle back to the first clip included here regarding maternity leave and how that is problematic even within the German system, especially for the women who are um, finding themselves at Susie. So to start off, I thought we could tie in the Clara Zetkin reading and analyze Susie's work um, within the theoretical framework of Zetkin in both its shortcomings and its adequacies of how we can see women as liberated in motherhood and in employment and how the two um, butt heads a lot of the time. Definitely. I think that to read Zetkin's piece and to see her perspective that a woman is not necessary living up to her fullest potential if she's not a mother compared to the idea that motherhood is so limiting to a woman as in her career and to expect that duality of women especially in America when maternity leave is never adequate enough and in Germany when even the maternity leave that they were referring to sometimes doesn't cut it. Yeah, I definitely think um, the talk that we had yesterday, like discussing the way that Germany has, like compared to the US and other places, it has like really good maternity care, but then these women still face like all these problems within, like, like that they have to come to Susie. Like, if, like, it's just, it just shows like even, it just like solidifies like what we saw like in their reading, especially, um, I don't know, the way that like socialism and like the idea of like, shit, hold on. Yeah, well, I mean, women are, fa women that come to Susie are facing so much more than maternity leave. Mm -hmm. That's not, and as we discussed yesterday, even though it is offered to women in all positions, like it doesn't have to be corporate or like in a you know shopping center store, every woman gets three years. Sometimes that's like the least of someone a mother's problem. 
Yeah, I thought um, it was interesting in light of the reading to um, look at that small intersection and how big of a thing it has, especially when considering the fact that the two must work in hand in hand, and at least in the eyes of Zedkin, which I think in the real world in which we operate, um, just can't be a reality, which is especially troubling in Germany um, for us as Americans, because the American system is so much less well set up for that. Um, Do we know how much time women get in America? I believe it's three months, and I'm pretty sure none of it is paid. Wow. Which then was interesting because that affects lower class women so much more, and Zetkin was saying that when you are forced into the workplace by virtue of being in the lower class and you lose the privilege of staying at home, that maybe you are liberated from men and from sexism, but then that power shifts into the hands of the employer, and that's why socialism must work hand in hand with feminism. Um, which is perhaps an oversimplified argument, but I think that that still stands in light of who is privileged to be able to take that time. Yeah, and I think even just talking about the way that, um, like, there's even problems with, like, socialism working with feminism in the ways that even Clara Zetkin, like, the great, like, like, advocate for, like, women's autonomy still, like, subjugated some women based on like what they did with their own personal life like she didn't um, advocate for like reproductive freedom like birth control and like she thought that um, women who didn't like who weren't mothers like were seen as selfish and like not fulfilling like their full role so it even shows like the problems with socialism as well going off of that the way in which theory can often place a worth on women without giving them the agency to define that themselves. That was something that really struck me about Susie was that they made this a space that had so much agency and it was defined by the people within it. Um, and I don't know if you guys had more thoughts to add on that, but the fact that that is such a unique space and still a small space within Berlin, which is one of the more diverse cities in Europe, um, was really striking to me. I thought it was really interesting that this was like the only organization here. Like just thinking about like how like how big the refugee crisis is and like how like even like as Americans like we hear about that, you know? And it's like there's only like one organization for these women. It just like doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I thought one of the most important aspects of Susie was helping women understand their rights. And I think that that is sort of similar to the theorization of women and how like things work out in a certain way on papers and in theories and in law. But Susie's really working on the ground with women to help them understand how to translate that sort of rigid in writing you know, stuff that is all about them that they don't maybe understand or don't have access to knowing. Yeah, I thought that when she was saying that while Germany has such a good welfare system in place, the fact that so many people don't know about it and the people who don't know about it are the people who need it most mm -hmm. um, made a lot of sense and the transparency with which politics works serves a very select group of people. And I also think, like, that this space is really important, like, 
that they're able to have a space where they can critique like that system because like I feel like like as an American just like if we had that kind of thing it would always be like you should be grateful like that you just have that opportunity and then I I just think it's really important that they like created the space where it's like well like we're not getting we're not like it's great in theory but like that's not how it actually works and they're able to like critique that yeah safely and an exclusive space too where some people aren't a part of certain events or certain meetings because like a lot of people don't really understand the idea of exclusivity in that way like people like white men and a lot of white women who don't understand that they aren't welcome in certain environments and that's a really like beautiful thing that Susie can offer where do you think the line of separation should be drawn with that um considering that if that if an organization like Susie was to happen through the government directly it would never be able to accomplish the same things and to be able to talk as frankly and honestly with women who need help navigating a system that's often stacked against them um and also considering that we as citizens of this world need to work within systems to make them more inclusive in the first place. Well, I think it's important to have both, like, both spaces where, like, you're reaching out to, like, people who don't know, and then also, like, safe spaces for people, like, who need that, but it's just, like, determining, like, who's gonna do that work, you know? Um, yeah. Definitely. I think that it's, like, Susie was really refreshing because we can hear about so many of these nonprofits or NGMOs where it's, like, there's some priv- person of privilege helping people who don't have that same privilege um, and how there's, like, this white savior involved. And it, it was so, like, striking to see women of color as the people who run this organization and who are helping other women of color, mostly, or immigrants, um, sort of, because it it shows some, like, allyship that, like, someone of privilege couldn't show. Yeah, and it just shows, like, how empowering it is, and I know you don't have, like, you're not probably showing a clip of it, but, like, when they were talking about the exhibit they had with, like, the young girls who, like, took the initiative to, like, speak out for themselves and then they even have like the autonomy to choose like if they wanted to like speak about like their own experiences or if they didn't want to they didn't have to and like how empowering and like important it is to have spaces like that but also how important it is to like have spaces like for other things too and like how they even did do like outreach things and like they do both you know it's like it's not one is more important than the other yeah Yeah, absolutely I thought that was a really cool portion of it with the young girls as well and the idea that they talked about how the people who occupy the space are determined a lot on the factors of identity rather than everyone calling this a refugee crisis because people are always migrating yeah um and that they attracted more black women by having black women employed and then need for like a Turkish woman to be able to communicate to people in their own language and I thought that identity as a common ground um, internally rather than external political forces is a really interesting thing and that still there are ways that they are trying to bridge that gap more and lack Mm -hmm. the resources yeah that was another thing that like 
really hit me was like their lack of resources and how they said like that no one that works there is like a full-time employee like they're all working part-time and it's like like how much like emotional labor that is to do and it's like not even your full-time job you know it's like it's intense and it just shows like how dedicated they are to the work that they're doing that they like go through all the things that they have to to do that yeah and sort of heartbreaking to hear that how much they want to be doing more like when she was saying that she wished they could have open hours Mm -hmm. where anyone could walk in and receive counseling um, and how they can't do that because of law and because of accessibility um, and how necessary that is or how helpful that would be. Yeah, I think absolutely. And circling back to the idea of where we navigate spaces that are exclusive in ways that they need to be exclusive and how we take it on as a more mainstream collective responsibility within established systems of government. I mean, at an absolute minimum, the established system of government should provide the space, even if that's just putting it into the hands of someone else and the way that they were saying that their own job security has become so much more vulnerable um, was really striking and terrifying, especially with all of the backlash against immigrants that's going on in Germany right now. Yeah, I also, on back to maternity leave and um, the comparisons between what America gives and what Germany gives, I thought it was really interesting that someone asked the question um, whether or not employers prejudice against young women who could potentially have a baby soon um, to hire them because that's like Americans are so accustomed to thinking about like maternity leave as like a threat to their career and like that I was thinking that also like there must be some way that Germans try to get out of Mm -hmm. 14 months of paid maternity leave and three years of job security and how the um, the women at SUSE didn't even really know how to like answer that question yeah because it hadn't even occurred It it was just so secondary to all of the other layers of discrimination that these women might face of being a migrant and that that was not a central concern. Yeah. But I guess that is also a part of Germany's demographic decline, Um, although there's definitely a pushback of, of diversifying German populations, which we were talking about earlier today with with the AFD, um, having some very alarming maternity leave posters around, um, which I saw, there was one of like a pregnant white woman, and it was like, new Germans will make them ourselves, just like, and those are, that feels like hate speech to me. Yeah, I, I thought like it's that very German close to like a lost. eugenics oh, type like, yeah. idea. It's straight up eugenics, yeah. Which is super crazy. Yeah, and how, I mean, she was talking about the sort of push to like make more babies right now because the German population is getting older. And I wonder if. It's very different 
in terms of immigrant populations and in terms of like German Germans. Yeah, like if quote unquote like a pregnant German woman would be seen as like more acceptable than like an immigrant woman. Because yeah. like I feel like and this is going back to like comparing it to like our experiences in the U.S. But I feel like women of color, like generally, if you're seen as like ha having a lot of kids or being pregnant, it's like like welfare like type situation. It's like you're just like popping out babies. But like, and I wonder if that's like the same kind of rhetoric that they have here with like the immigrant women. Yeah, totally. I would not be surprised at all. Um, but. Circling back a little bit, I wanted to introduce a new idea of um, legitimacy and where that stems from for jobs, because I thought it was interesting that they provide um, social and psychological spaces and legal spaces um, for a lot of workplace discrimination and home discrimination and the legitimacy of citizenship that's attached um, that is invalidated when you cross political borders, um, mm. both in workspaces and in the home, um, with reference to her comment on divorce, where if you've been married for less than three years and you get a divorce, you are deported, um, which leaves you between a rock and a hard place, to say the least. Especially when you're facing abuse in the home, yeah. which is a big part of Susie. And your alternatives are staying in an abusive relationship and being deported. Yeah. I wonder in those situations what would happen to children um, in that relationship because I would assume they would have German citizenship um, if they were born, if they were born here. But then you're left to leave them in probably a not great situation here. Right. Take them with you. Yeah, and just the idea, I mean, immigration is, you know, the most complicated issue right now in Germany, um, but the idea that legitimacy is not, doesn't carry over, like, over borders is so disheartening to, like, an idea of a united human race. <laughs> Because, I mean, if you're a doctor, it must not be that big of a stretch between being a doctor in a country anywhere in the world and being a doctor here. It's just, like, sort of disappointing that there can't be alternative solutions to sort of integrating degrees overseas into a new country. Yeah. I took a class last year that discussed a lot um, the universality of human rights and whether or not that's possible because we so often um, attach rights to citizenship to allow cultures to make it appropriate to their culture, um, but then stateless people are left with bodies that are devalued outside of political borders. And I think Susie navigates a really interesting interstitial space there. Um, and that Europe in general is handling that at the moment. Um, and I don't know if these kinds of interstitial spaces can make any jump into the larger world to advocate for more legal change or whether or not these spaces need to be preserved as 
um, more one-on-one interpersonal safe spaces. I think it makes me really hopeful that this organization is like an international organization, so I feel like like they would just have more knowledge and like access to knowledge about like those kind of things. Um, so I think, yeah, just like being an international organization and did either of the Susi women say how they deal with like degrees that are recognized in Germany or sort of people who have had jobs and are now jobless? I think that their main role in legal counsel was always just to translate a lot of jargon that's German jargon as well into delineating rights that people do have um, but it seems like a lot there is a degree of helplessness in that where it's just too far outside of your control and at some point you do everything you can but there's a lot of fingers crossed situations where then the women at least are not alone yeah I feel like it's a lot of like emotional support and just like information like giving them as many tools as they have or can to like get through like these like government obstacles and different things like that yeah um did any of you have some other aspects of the talk that you feel like we should touch on before we wrap up I just thought that it was a really amazing organization, especially being headed by like women of color and migrant women. Like having organizations like made by the people who it is like who it's serving. Like it's really empowering, and I I was really happy that we were able to like speak to them and like be in their space. Like it was it was really it was really awesome. Completely. And the fact that Heidi organized our class time in their space, in the Susie space, to sort of contribute at least a little bit to their organization, I think is very reflective of the class initiative. Or, like, I'm very thankful that the class really um, stays in line with what we are learning. Yeah, absolutely. I think the physical space there is powerful in that it is so rare to have these places Mm -hmm. um, for people who really believe that the women spoke as a way that their identity was able to be something really, really powerful and provide a lot of solidarity. Um, So thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank Thank you you for having us. And I hope you all enjoyed listening.